hey, hey, you're listening to Women in Music, and I'm your host, Alexa Ace. A little background for our new listeners. So I got my start in the music industry as a music photographer and blog owner. I started Gold Hand Girls in 2016, which granted the opportunity to photograph hundreds of concerts across America and the UK for dozens of women, including myself. Photography is such a surefire way to get your foot in the door in the music industry, if you do it right. And today's guest suggests that. I mean, there's no right way to go into music photography, but there is your way. Today's guest is Anna Lee. Anna is a tour and music photographer touring with major bands such as Greta Van Fleet, who she's currently on tour with as I record this, The Struts, Walk the Moon, Simple Plan, and many others. Anna and I met when I was a photographer for my city's local gazette. Yeah, I did that. Let's not talk about it. But anyways, I went to cover a Struts show and ended up doing a profile over her instead. Given we're both from Oklahoma City and women in the music industry, I knew we had to meet. This is our second conversation ever. Anna is so well-spoken and has great experience discussing and breaking down what it's like being a tour photographer. In this episode, we debunk myths about what it's like to be a female on tour with male bands, what can go wrong on tour and how to prepare, and why being your own creative and bringing your eye to the table is super important to your success as a full-time creative. Introducing Annalie. You're a tour photographer. I want to know about your first tour. My first tour ever. I actually like to say that I've had two first tours. Um, so logistically, the first tour ever was in 2013. Um, it was such an anomaly. I went to Warp Tour Australia with a friend's band. Um, and it was just uh, some guys that I had gotten to know over the course of their several tours where they came through Oklahoma City, where I lived at the time when I started touring. Um, so that was, it was really fun and it was really interesting. And it was, um, it was definitely a big learning curve. I, I mean, the best way to describe it is I, I learned literally a hundred percent of information about touring oh. relative to what I knew before, just because, you know, I went into it having absolutely zero experience. So everything that I picked up about that was just all new information. And some of it was like answers to questions that I didn't even have yet. So, um, it was a great, just kind of like getting thrown into the deep end, so to speak. It's like a, can I do this? Oh yeah, exactly. And do I like this also? Um, but it definitely gave me the bug. So that was helpful. Um, and the reason I have like a second quote first tour is because while warp tour, that whole experience, you know, I was in Australia, it was amazing. It was, it was really fun and, um, informative. It didn't directly lead to anything. And I think it's, um, probably not, you know, if we can, put any type of like normal or common path or formula together for people that are looking to get into this, it's not likely going to go that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so my, my other first tour is maybe a little bit more of like a common entry into this world. And it definitely informed the direction of my personal trajectory of my career much more, um, directly than Australia Warped Tour did. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, Warped Tour is a bit of an anomaly. Um, that was still very fun. And so the second first tour was with the band small pools and they are, they are just like my OG supporters, like gave me the chance, um, friends. And so that tour when I first met up with them was in, I want to say April of 2014. So it was a handful of months after Warp Tour and that whole gap in between, I was hustling my ass off, just trying to get into somebody's inbox that would let me kind of continue down this path that I felt like I had started on. Um, so yeah, small pools and we, they were, you know, they were first of three on a tour. I believe we were supporting group love. Um, yes. And that was just, you know, it was a U.S. tour and I hopped on for like maybe a week, a week and a half of it right there at that, at the beginning. Um, wow. So so many questions, so many questions off of that. Oh, good. As, as a photographer as well. I mean, holy shit. I, I've never been on tour. So, um, I mean, just 
branching off of some of the things that you said, I immediately want to know, number one, did small pools, did they reach back out to you or did you reach out first? Um, you know, I, it's hard to recall because at that point we had uh, like an open dialogue, we we're spending time together there. We just at some point kind of came to this agreement of like, well, yeah, obviously we're going to do this again. Like this is a great fit both ways. Like it was working out really well for everyone. Um, and so at some point along the lines, they were just like, okay, well, let's figure out like when to bring you out next. And let me just throw some context around this real quick, because in 2013, 2014, like tour photography was barely a thing um, yet, just because there was not a lot of like, um, there wasn't a lot of purpose for the output of that versus like, uh, you know, there was a little bit of social media output and then there was, you know, use for things uh, like press photos, um, that album the output. Yeah. So it's like the, the usage and the legs for that output was pretty, um, minimal even at that time, which I guess now it's, you know, that's eight or nine years ago. Um, so I, all that is to say the context for this is that, there wasn't nearly as much of a demand or a need for tour photography. So part of the equation here was I was kind of having to sell myself along with the, like why they even needed to invest in this in the first place or like why they needed to like make room for an extra body yeah. on the road, that type of thing. So um, that's why when I first started doing these first couple of tours, you know, I was, I was only going out for like, a week or two at a time, if that, it was just like pop in and kind of like sprinkle some content on them, you know, that they could kind of like spread around because the needs weren't as, as large. Yes. Yes. And you're investing in yourself right back too. Even if it's, if it's just one week, that's one week of experience under your belt. Exactly. And to be very clear, I was not getting paid at the beginning. In fact, I was, I was covering my own expenses, or at least we were like splitting expenses. Um, oh, I've always wondered about this stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, well, and this is a whole other conversation, um, but I don't know that that's necessarily the way that it has to go down anymore, just because there is an industry demand for what we're providing out. But, you know, again, back to 2013, 2014, where it's like, yeah, we could use some content, but we don't need it. So what's, what's in it? for us or like, how can we make this a little bit more symbiotic, at least at the beginning until we figure out that, you know, this isn't going to be a disaster, like make sure that we're a good fit, that kind of thing. So I just wanted to throw that context around it because things have certainly changed. What an amazing perspective. I, I haven't even thought about the fact that it wasn't in high demand. And of course, everyone wants to be a tour photographer now. I mean, I think people did before, but now it's like we have the opportunity to see more tour photographers and to see more of um, the tour photographers live as well. Yeah, uh, it's a lot more visible now. Yes, exactly. And everyone wants to see BTS behind the scenes. Yes, because there's now a platform on which to view that. And those platforms are everywhere. Eight years ago, there was barely a platform for that. So like, even if the content existed, people didn't know it existed and they didn't know where to look for it. And they kind of didn't really care that much. The consumption has changed in the last like decade. Something immediately that comes to my mind is alongside the next question, um, but I want to know, like, what were some of your requirements? You know, you reach out to them and you're trying to invest in yourself by making yourself useful. You're like, hey, let me let me take photos before you go on stage. Let me take photos as you're on stage. This is content you can use in your emails. This is content you can use, you know, wherever. You're just trying to say, hey, I can make you guys money, basically. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so what were some of your tasks and what are some common, I guess, tasks and requirements as a tour photographer? Yeah, they, those have also changed a lot from when I started. Um, so at the beginning, it was quite literally just photography um, because, you know, the the needs of the platform and what the algorithms call for now is stretches across multiple types of media. But back then, we, you know, not only where we not even sure if the content was needed. It's like, we, we were kind of trying to like invent a reason to produce the content. And now it's completely flipped 180. It's like the need is there. And we're trying to figure out like how to create enough content to fill the need. And so um, the economy of that has completely switched around, which I think definitely works in favor of creators. So, you know, back then um, 
it was photo only like platforms either weren't even supporting video yet or just like wasn't a big deal it wasn't um a strong need so it it was it was a lot more casual and it was a lot more um just kind of hanging out to see what moments happened. And then maybe with a little bit of like planned directed content creation too, where it's like, oh, we have some time or here's a little cool location. Like let's get together and do some portraits. And like, maybe that will be used, um, you know, all of early on all of those like portrait sessions on tour would get used as press photos for like years after they were taken because like that, the mountains of content weren't being generated yet. Like they are now, like there's just an endless well of content for every artist at this point, but um, they, they were really valuable um, in that way. So yeah, early on duties were pretty much just photo only kind of waiting to hang out and see what you even thought would be useful. You're, we were like designing the, the job as we went, like designing our own role. Um, so now it's a lot more structured and it is driven specifically by what the platform calls for or like what the need the content needs of the artist call call for um that of course varies largely from artist to artist what does it look like on tour with the struts versus walk the moon what are those differences um in your day-to-day -day? yeah so i think the main differences and this is more of a universal answer but the main differences are driven by um does the artist have the ability to create different roles for all of the media being created? Like, am I going on tour as simply the photographer exclusively, or is it more of like a catch-all content role? Mm. And that is in and of itself is a very robust conversation that a lot of people are having um, about like, how are we labeling ourselves? What's our title? And, you know, each individual creator, like, are they pursuing a role as like an artist in a specific medium, such as a photographer, or are they pursuing a role as a content creator that maybe plays more of a hand in the overall creative aesthetic of the artist because they're touching each one of those individual forms of media. So it kind of just depends on, you know, what the what the artist has the capacity to do as far as how many different types of creatives they can employ and kind of what you as a creator want to pursue. So um, yeah, like a more granular example um, or breakdown in my own personal experience, like you compared Walk the Moon and the Struts, which funny enough, as far as my duties are actually fairly similar because they're um, playing like similar levels of venues. Um, so similar, uh, capacity there. Um, and that's definitely a little bit more of a catch-all role where I'm doing photography, um, almost equally supplying um, a volume of video output from those tours. And then um, occasionally like some assistance with social media as well, like whether that be posting or just kind of like collecting footage on my phone that is typically at that point is turned over to a separate like digital team or social media team that might be a third party or someone based in house at the management that's kind of handling that. And, you know, very thankful for that at this point, because that has absolutely become a full-time job. But again, early on, I was doing all of that myself as well. Where would you say you fit within that? Would you say that you are leaning uh, more into the future of a content creator, encapsulating also video, copy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Great question, and I will let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> um, it's you, but you have to do, but you are on tour right now and still having to turn in like TikToks, maybe. Um, I'm not producing. TikTok content, uh, but I am contributing to the pool of footage that's used for that because if, you know, their account is spanning, and when I say they are just any artist account often spans content from tour, but also like other manufactured content. So if it's something where they need the person on the ground on tour, like that they can't film remotely or like pull out of an archive, then yes, I am contributing to that. Um, but kind of back to the larger question, my preference is to stick more into in the lane of I'm creating high quality content from an artistic perspective. So that's going to always lend itself more to by trade, I am a photographer. Out of necessity, I am also a videographer and I've, um, you know, come to very much enjoy that um, over the years of investing in 
just learning that craft in addition. Um, and there's obviously so much more to be learned, but I've, I've at least gotten a handle enough on what's required to kind of create the run and gun, like documentary perspective of just like recap, um, storytelling for the purposes of the tour. Um, but yes, I'm not, I'm not a video director. I'm, I think I'm still far from being able to call myself a videographer, but I do have the, the toolbox to get it done for the tour. Um, and then as far as social media content, I think that varies so much from artist to artist because that really comes down to the individual voice of the artist on the platform, whether it's the artists themselves creating that aesthetic or if there's like a team that has like designed what their voice should be on social media and kind of just their style. And so I actually, you know, while I am the one on the ground with a camera in my hand and can contribute to that content, I think I consider that more of a writing job and a marketing job. Like that's the skill set required to cut, like conceptualize the content needed for that. You're so right. Yeah. So like to that end, no, I'm not a content creator because I am like, I'm a visual artist. I'm not a writer. Although a lot of times those skills transcend multiple media forms, of course. And I get involved with those to a degree, but yeah, ideal scenarios. Like if I can go on tour as like the, the artist or the documentarian, that's best case scenario for me, but we're all spreading ourselves all around and just doing what we need to do to get the job done. So I found, I found myself in many different roles and I've, you know, just learned things out of necessity along the way. But no matter what, it's like you're still in media. You're still there to capture the image. You're still there to capture the brand. You're still there to capture the energy, no matter what the output of the deliverable uh, media content is. Exactly. So you go on tour often, right? You're kind of like constantly on tour. (laughs) I tour full-time. It is my full-time job. (laughs) That is incredible. I mean, just to touch on what you just said, um, I mean, something that I've wondered that you kind of just mentioned, though, um, is do, yeah, are you handed like a a shot list ever? Are the artists ever like, um, man, you know, I really want some tour bus photos to promote uh, before the big show today? It is in the best, healthiest artist content creator relationship. It is a collaborative dynamic. There's never, like a laundry list of photos to get. Um, they, you know, they hire a creator based on the fact that, you know, they've, they've seen their work. They know that they've been around, they know they can do the job. So they trust them to just document how it, how it unfolds as necessary. Um, but there might be some like finer points that we're working out. And, you know, in addition to the live show, we'd like to prioritize X, Y, Z or, one of these days we need to get some photos of the merch for this specific promotion. So the like the requests like that will come in. Um, but just as far as like photo and video, we'll have a creative discussion at the beginning of the tour to kind of inform, you know, this is what we're looking for. This is kind of the aesthetic. And then um, other than that, I just kind of run with it. And then we, you know, we, compare notes along the way and make sure it's all going the way that we need it to. I love hearing it from your perspective because it's like I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, but it's just like an artist and artist. I mean, thank you for saying that as a photographer, um, because I think that um, at least something I've felt and something I've communicated with other photographers, even on the gold hand team is how do you, how do you make yourself known? How do you get the respect you deserve and not just be there to do a job, but be there to further yourself and to further your craft? Yeah, that, um, that is comes directly out of just how you comport yourself across the span of your entire career. Um, it's, it's something that you cultivate. So individual interactions can contribute to that. Um, but I've found like the strongest result to that end for me has just been like the longevity of the relationships that I've built in the music industry while consistently showing up and delivering in a way that they know exactly what to expect when they work with me um, from like a logistics standpoint, from like a style standpoint, 
Um, and so, yeah, it's not, it's not something where you can have a conversation with a potential client and you're not going to say anything that's going to like directly inform them into just believing that you are this type of professional. It's going to be that just like long-term relationship and experience that you have together. Um, ultimately that it kind of creates this like integral, um, reputation around you and your career that over time, you're just known as someone who can be trusted to do this, or you can be hired to do like this style and know that you'll be able to deliver. Man. And that matters in the music industry, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. That's all that matters. It's the only thing. Yeah. Word gets around quick. If you don't, if you don't deliver, we're going to (laughs) know. That's true. But if you do show up, we're going to know that too. And you fucking show up. Thank you something that I haven't asked anyone and I've wanted to know what can go wrong as a tour photographer and how do you prep for that? That's a great question. And maybe it speaks to the fact that I've had mostly positive experiences and worked with people that I respect that nothing jumps to my mind where I'm like, Oh, this is a common nightmare of touring. I, I think honestly, probably the worst thing that can happen is getting into a client relationship that you realize is not a good fit. Um, but maybe you've already committed to a tour like energy. Yeah. Energy or, um, just like the expectations or, okay. So I can trace these back to like things that you can do upfront to kind of avoid these situations. But yeah, let's say you get into a, a tour where you're just like, oh, this dynamic is awful. I'm having a terrible time. Like this is going to be miserable, but it's not a one-off photo shoot. It's a tour. Like you're stuck there for four, five, six weeks, you know, however long the tour is. So I would say, you know, the more you tour, the more you're going to kind of like know how to vet potential opportunities. And maybe at the beginning, the, the, the goal is just to get the opportunities in the first place. And you can just take those as learning experiences to inform like what you want to, um, like what parameters you want to set moving forward on like what types of jobs you'll accept or not. But to me, that, that kind of sounds like the, the worst thing that can go wrong. And I guess that's coming from like, yeah, an energy standpoint or like an emotional standpoint. There's of course, technical things that could go wrong all day long. Like, you know, your memory card breaks like that. And that's just, that happens. Like there's, there's systems you can put in place to avoid that, you know, like have backups of essential gear and just like, make sure you're taking care of your equipment in the proper way. Um, that's happened to all of us. I've had memory cards fail. I've lost photo, you know, that, but something I just wanted to touch on the thing that maybe not everyone thinks about, which is just making sure that, you know, once you get that, that win, you get that yes of yeah. the client bringing you on. Just make sure that it, it's a good, like personal dynamic fit, and just you know make sure that they understand what you expect of them, and not just what they expect of you. And if they're you know if the reputation is solid, if it's gold, like I was talking about, if they've built an integral you know reputation across their career, there's going to be a lot less to worry about. So speaking of, I guess, energy and relationships in some way, in a non-judgmental but curious way, I would love to know what's it like mostly working with and around men? I don't work only around men hardly ever anymore. I can't, I can't remember the last tour where the, I was the only woman in the group, which is fantastic. Um, and... It's something that, um, so I've been asked this question a lot actually throughout the course of my career. And it, it surprised me at first because it's something that for whatever reason kind of didn't even really register with me that much when I started. I mean, obviously I knew that I was the only woman, um, but it didn't impact the experience like positively or negatively in any way that was like a big takeaway for me. Um, so again, like, I think that speaks to the fact that I've been very blessed with like really positive experiences and there's, there's been weird things. There's been unfortunate things. And that's just, I mean, that's the world that we live in. Um, but I, it's been great for me. I, I will say the one, um, 
The one thing that is important to note, if you, if someone does end up in a situation where, you know, their client is going to be a majority male is just make sure you're kind of like thinking ahead about how to advocate for what you need, just because the needs of, you know, this is a, this is a generalization, but in my experience, the needs of like my own needs compared to like what a band full of dudes prepare for there's like a big disparity there's a big gap there and like there's some dots that we have to connect where like they might not be thinking about um what I need to survive on the road versus like what they have like what they've already put in place to support themselves um so if you end up in a situation where you're starting on a tour you know for example if you are starting with a small band who's like a first of three on a tour like in some type of opening slot they might be roughing it a little bit they might be kind of doing the least you know to get by and like make it through the tour and make it count Mm -hmm. towards their future as a band um so just make sure that you're kind of like taking matters into your own hands as far as um like getting your needs met as a female on the road um to answer your question in my experience it hasn't been crazy different other than I have to take a couple extra steps just to kind of like take care of the things that I need on my own. Like ultimately I have to be my best advocate in that situation. Showing up as your own artist. Yeah. Whoa. I can't believe that you get that question that often. That's a question that I've gotten before um, just from like the gold hand audience. Like I've said, um, different girls have been like, okay, how do I, how do I just go on tour with a a bunch of men? Um, Like, am I going to be respected? Am I going to be scared? Am I, you know, everything, all of these fears I think can be obviously projected, but really what you're saying is just show up as your own person, show up prepared, show up Mm -hmm. ready to take care of yourself Uh and ready to do the work. And those symbiotic relationships will likely begin to pan out because the artist is also there to do their job. I mean, barring any like really unfortunate, um, just shady, shitty situations, which unfortunately in this universe do happen, as we know, barring anything crazy like that. um, Yeah, like you said, everybody is there to do a job and they're at the end of the day, they everyone wants to work together to like make the best situation for everyone. So my personal experience like you know when I started with small pools it that I was the only female on that tour not on the whole tour because um you know we had group love and Miss Mister was the other supporting band so there were females involved in those camps obviously and but in in our own traveling camp in our van I was the only female and my personal experience is that just I had had like a bunch of brothers that was like hanging out with us you know really great family vibes and Um, I, I had, it was a bit of an uphill battle to like bring the female energy just because it was like me versus however many like dudes were around. Um, but they took great care of me and we're still good friends to this day. So, you know, my, my wish is that for anyone, any woman that goes into a new to them touring situation with majority men, like, I hope that you all have a similarly wonderful experience. And if it's not wonderful, get the fuck out of there. Like somebody like that's, that's fucked. Like people that are there to do their job and people that are good people are going to take care of you and make you feel comfortable. And if there's like a miscommunication, you know, just just like have a discussion about it. Like if something feels weird um, or if something inappropriate is happening, like definitely talk. Like that's what the tour manager is there for. They're there to, they're (laughs) being, you know they're essentially the hr department as in that like local ecosystem like the touring ecosystem um and if not them then management like somebody somebody's going to take care of you um and if it just comes down to like a personality not vibing then just don't just don't repeat tour with them like that's something you can't possibly know until you do it once it sounds like a lot of what you're saying is a lot of just groundwork. Like you need to go up, you need to go show up and experience it to kind of know what you like, what you don't like, other than like we've said, like energy or the relationship just immediately not working out well. It sounds like even from day one, from Warped Tour in Australia, you just kind of had to 
be like, okay, let's, let's throw ourselves in this and, and yeah, survive, but also have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a whole different animal and you just, you won't know until, you know, you just got to get in and do it. Yes. And and that's why we're here today to talk about it. So overall you felt safe. Yes, absolutely. I guess that's probably like what my, you know, what my listeners are asking is like, am I, am I safe to apply to like an all male band and, and hope that no matter what my art is still going to be respected? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's actually, you know, people that are wanting to start getting into it now are even in a better position than I was, um, as you know, as far as I can tell, because, um, I was entering into a space where I had to justify being there. Cause like what we discussed earlier, it's like the, the service that I was providing didn't have nearly as much value as it has now because the need for it wasn't as great. So now if you're going into a touring situation, you're providing an incredibly valuable service. Like you don't have to justify being there. Like if you have needs, they need to meet them. Like you are providing a service you're doing them not doing them a favor because you know ideally you're getting paid for it but um there there shouldn't be any type of imposter syndrome where you feel like you need to make yourself small to accommodate the artist if you have a need that's not getting met or especially if you feel unsafe like you have more leverage than ever to make sure that you're okay i would love to know why and what is it like to you and what does it mean to you to share your equipment and camera details after each post because from my experience um people can be weird about that like i said in in the um, episode with phoebe fox last season um i remember there being being in bonnaroo at bonnaroo and there being like black tape over the um the camera body type of some of these photographers around me like people are so secretive and that's just such bullshit oh I've never even heard of covering up your like that is so bizarre yeah I I literally don't understand that level of secrecy um I have had so many kind people on my tour photography journey just be really open sharing information with me in a way that, um, you know, it's not even like I took that information and it suddenly became my entire style and my entire like approach as a photographer. It's something that like maybe informed, uh, decisions here or there, or like was helpful in some way, but typically, you know, if, if you're sharing information, somebody's not looking to like become you. So I think it's just helpful are all around just to create this like generous culture um, of photography. And especially if you've been offered help at any point, like pay it forward. But for me specifically with um, why I can't imagine why anyone would have an issue sharing their equipment or their settings is because like no one can really do anything with that. Like Canon and Nikon and Sony are all readily available to every single person to purchase anywhere, anytime. Like it's, it's what you, it's how you apply those tools, um, to what you're shooting. And there's so many more like creative, um, like problem solving applications that go into creating like a look and a style that the, the gear and the settings that has almost nothing to do with it other than to say like, this is the setting that was appropriate to get the correct exposure for this subject at this time during the day with this light, like anyone that understands photography can figure that out. So it's for me, I guess it's almost more to kind of like help people that are um, at the very beginning of just starting to grasp like the technical side of photography Um in which case I have no problem like helping people wrap their head around it. Cause it, it was difficult for it to click for me um, at the beginning as well. Like many, many years ago when I first started even learning how to work a camera. So I guess that's, yeah, it baffles me why anybody would have trouble. It's like anybody can Google this information and it's right there. Um, I'm not giving like a play by play of my entire throb process necessarily of like how I intuited this final result. Um, but yeah, sharing, sharing settings is, 
I think the least that any of us can do if you feel so inclined. I love that you're just saying anyone can take the photo if they know photography, like anyone can put their f-stop, you know, at whatever. Anyone can go rent this lens and we can go rent this body and try to emulate exactly what you did. Um, but at the end of the day, it really is about the artist and the artist's craft. And also, like you said, so much else goes into one photo. It's a skill. It's a skill to train your eye to like what you produce. And then, of course, there's editing. I guess furthering yourself as a creative within photography, it's not just the equipment. And so many people, I think, are just so wrapped up around equipment. So to hear and to see you so often be so generous and be like, this is not a big deal, guys. This is just my camera is an extension of my arm. Look at it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it'd be like me trying to hide the fact that I'm using my finger to push the shutter button. Like it's just, everyone's doing that at the end of the day. Like there's, there's nothing secret about it. I just started posting it just, I don't know, just for fun. Cause I thought like, Oh, somebody will get some use out of this. And I've since then I've had so many people just say like, Oh my God, thank you so much for sharing this to the point that I didn't realize that many people were, um, like looking for that kind of information. So that just made me want to do it more. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people looking for that information because I think there are a lot of people like you and I that kind of just are having at it or that, you know, have this passion and it's at their fingertips, but they're like, okay, let's, let's be thrown to the wolves now. So mm-hmm. that, that makes me wonder, you know, when you're going to photograph, um, let's say festivals like iHeartRadio, do you have multiple cameras on you? You know, how do you prep for a festival like iHeartRadio, walk us through a gig like that. Sure. Um, yeah, a festival like the iHeart Jingle Ball or Alter Ego, something like that, is one of the rare times when I have more than one camera body, like camera body lens set up on me, um, because that is happening so fast. The shorts are so quick and it is my one task from iHeart is just to get like the best small handful of photos possible. And so at that point, it's just almost a game of like, not volume necessarily, but like speed for sure. Um, otherwise, um, other photographers who spend a lot of time like shooting festivals or working for festivals might be able to answer this better. And I'm sure a lot of them do multiple body setups for that. Um, otherwise the only time I'm really at a festival is with one of my actual band clients and it's usually in the course of a tour so I'm treating that just like another day on tour and my 95% of the time my go-to setup is one camera body at a time and then just making sure that I have quick easy access to um, a bag of lenses like off to the side somewhere like you know, side stage, backstage, something easy access because, and this is more just a personal decision of, I know that I can do better work and I can perform better if I can move and have a lot of agility. And if I've, if I'm balancing an extra camera body and like trying not to drop it or trying not to let it trip me up, like to me, that's, that's washing out all of the benefits of having that second lens set up on me. So my personal thing is like if I can just swap lenses as necessary somewhere nearby that's how I handle it but yeah with iHeart with those fest like those radio showcases there's really no choice but to just like have a camera in each hand yeah this is kind of fucking epic like I you're answering so many questions in a different way than I like expected but but I kind of did expect you to be like yeah you know I, I have two bodies set up on average um, just because Anna, like you are such a fucking professional. You um oh, you. Been on so many tours, you're constantly on tour. So I was a photographer, am a photographer. Um, these are some of the questions that that I've wondered, like iHeartRadio. Um, I like wondering if it, you know, like you said, if it is just volume or if it's for a certain media outlet and you know, it's just press photos and they want to make sure that there's uh, room above for a headline. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if any of those requirements were something that you had during a gig like iHeart. They were not um, for me. And again, like depending on who's employing the photographer, like if it's a festival, like if Lollapalooza or Coachella or whatever, they might have re- requests like that. But it's funny that you mention um, the negative space for graphics. And that's something that like I haven't thought about in a minute, but um my degree in college was graphic design. So I have that background and it's something that I, that plays into my photography approach without me even thinking about it. I've very often 
almost in every set of photos that I provide to a client, I've shot without thinking, like it's just kind of muscle memory. I've included some frames that are like have massive amounts of negative space, just because that's my like graphic designer brain inside of me being like, yeah, like they might need this as like, um, you know, a, a background or like a base layer of some type of design. And I don't know, it's just something I do without even thinking about it now, but I've never had that specifically requested of me. I don't think, but if I'm going into like a, just a photo shoot, like not tour related, but a photo shoot for promos, definitely I'm building that into what I'm delivering because it's almost guaranteed that they're going to need to add graphics to that. Cause that's the purpose of those shoots. All right, Anna. So I've gathered a few artists you've toured with or photographed And I want to know that first word that comes to your mind. You ready? Okay, I am. All right, walk the moon. Weddings. (laughs) Do you want me to? Do you want me to expand on? (laughs) Let me know if you want me to expand on anything. This might be kind of random. This is the first time I'm asking this, so uh, so let's go through it, and then if I have any questions, please answer. All right, walk the moon. Weddings. Greta Van Fleet. (laughs) Uh, Boy band. I feel like that needs an explanation too, but we can keep going. (laughs) Simple plan. Legends, legends, the struts. Oh, showmanship. Oh, wow. Showmanship in it. Yes. The, the in it. Have to get that in. in it. All British up in here. Oh, yes. Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, babe. Babe. Mr. Wife's. Girl Gang. Mm-hmm. Ex Ambassadors. COVID Tour. Oh, God. I want to know more. <laughs> so there's a story. Small pulls. Oh, um, my OG homies, maybe brothers, brothers, honorary brothers. I love that you say that. Group love. Oh, similar F- family, very family vibes. Family. Wow. And the last but not least, I saw that you've had a few photos of him. So I wonder, Dave Grohl. Yes. Um, also legend. I used that for a simple plan already, but legend slash just sweetheart, sweetheart man. Legend for all of them, really. Um, okay, I want to know weddings with the Walk the Moon. Oh, so, um, well, I've shot weddings for people in the Walk the Moon ecosystem. Um, so that's that's a fun, like, overlap. I shoot a lot of weddings also, like, in addition to music and photography. Less so now, just because I'm always on the road. But I, I have a background as a full-time wedding photographer. And without fail, 95% of weddings that I've shot, they play shut up and dance. Ah, I can't even think of a wedding where it doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. So it's very, very like, there's so much overlap, so many worlds colliding. Anna, this has been so fun. I have two more questions for you. And um, I would love to know for the audience, how do you continue to get gigs? And what advice do you have for women in photography looking to make a living off of their craft? Um, I have, I'm very grateful to be in a place in my career where the weight of me pursuing clients versus just requests from clients coming in has shifted drastically to the latter. And without at this point, like this year, my tour schedule is completely stacked and Congrats. Thank you. I'm tired, but thank you. Uh, And none of that has come from me actively chasing after a booking. I'm very grateful that those have approached me um, ultimately in one way or the other to that caused those tours to come about. Um, Probably because you showed up though at the previous tours. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's the idea, right? It just, some, the idea is that that whole approach just like rolls over into like future gigs and future relationships and future referrals and all of that. Referrals are amazing. Um, but being in that position now, and it may that, you know, it may still kind of fluctuate between like, I might need to pursue things in the future, just depending on where the gaps fall. Mm -hmm. Um, but that is only due to many years of me, like very aggressively and actively pursuing the clients that I wanted and doing the follow-ups and making the asks. Um, and so it's, there's both. And if somebody is like looking to get into this, um, I would say definitely fully expect to be the one 
chasing gigs for a while. And that's not even a bad thing. It's just, you have to do it until you are on multiple people's like short list yes. Yes. of people to hire. And it's totally normal. You just have to be like really diligent and active. And it takes a level of like passion and drive to want to do that because it gets exhausting, but there's like, if that's a position that you find yourself in, even for like years at a time, that's totally normal and it's okay. And that it's like, what's should be happening. Um, so don't, yeah, nobody take that as a sign that like you haven't made it. <laughs> um, cause sometimes people just need to be reminded of who you are, but it starts that initial pitch email. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, from that, the, my first, first tour and my second first tour, there was, you know, four months of me, like relentlessly pitching myself just multiple times a day, like anybody's inbox that I could get into any contact information I could find. And they either didn't reply at all. That was the most common outcome, or they would say that they didn't need it. Um, you know, they just, and again, that was at a time where it, it wasn't as much of a need. I, I believe without actually being in this position personally, but I believe, and I hope that it is a lot simpler now because especially, you know, the smaller support bands on tours, they're desperate for content. If somebody wants to come give them a constant stream of content with a minimal investment on their end or something symbiotic like that, it, I think you, you know, it's a num it's a numbers game. Eventually you will 100% get into some type of gig. So let's say there's someone who's listening to this and they end up reaching out to like, you know, 50 different people, you know, a small band comes back and they're like, yes, we would love to have you on tour, but we have zero budget. Um, you know, like, like you said, you just went ahead and went on tour, um, mm-hmm. even though you were funding yourself. And I also have done the same thing with different internships and record labels. Um, would you recommend that? I think if that is the only thing available to you and it works for you personally, then yes, but only each individual can answer that question for themselves. Like I'm not, I'm not saying what I'm not saying is to go into debt. Like I'm not saying put yourself in a position that's going to screw you. Um, so maybe it's something where you negotiate there, at least kind of like covering your expenses. And I think at this point in the game, there's so much demand for content and it's so vital that they should be willing to make that investment. And if they are literally so strapped that they cannot spare one penny, maybe keep looking, like keep looking for a while and see if there's somebody else who can meet you in the middle. But even if you do go that route where you're like meeting in the middle on expenses and just kind of doing whatever you can to hustle in and make it work, like that's fine to kind of like get that little leg up and get that first tour on your resume, but get out of that position as soon as possible. Like if, if you go on that tour and it works out well and your content is valuable and they appreciate you, um, they'll find them, they'll find the room in the budget next time. Like the, and so sometimes it's just, you need that one opportunity to show proof of concept and to get, you know, to show like, or be able to say like, yes, I have been on tour before. Like I've, I know how to act, you know, like I know what tour is like, um, or even, yes, I know how to work a camera, please. Yeah, exactly. So like, once you have proof of concept, like move on from free work, move on for like expense compensation only work as soon as possible. Great, great point in saying that there's so much content needed right now. So, so if you don't get those emails back immediately, Maybe they're just not supposed to happen um, or mm-hmm. or a better opportunity is on its way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I ask this question to everyone. And the last question I have is, what is your gold moment in life? And that means just like a pinch me, holy shit, I did this moment. Yeah. I mean, I hope there's more to come. I hope I don't even know my best golden moment yet, but um I would say, um, kind of my favorite, at least as it pertains to my work in tour photography, the summer of 2018 was like one of my favorites ever. And then there's like, uh, maybe extends over into summer 2019 as well. Um, there was just like a very high volume of consistent, like pinch me moments that all kind of happened at once. 
Um, and so it's just, I look back on those times really fondly and they include things like um, being with the struts in support of the Foo Fighters tour and just like interacting Woo! with those guys on a, on a regular basis. Cause they were so open and so friendly. So cool. Um, so that was, yeah, that was wild. Um, and then I feel like a lot of these things happened with the struts because they just, they just capture the attention of like these massive opportunities. Cause they're so, they're so intriguing and they put on such a good show, but we also did like the Cannes film, film festival in, in, France the next year. Um, so that was also wild. It was just like, who let me in here? <laughs> like, this is wow. crazy. Um, yeah. But the summer of 2018, there's just like a string of just like really fond, um, just good vibe tours all in a row where it just like really had those like family vibes and summer tours tend to be that way. Like I would, if you can get on a summer tour and that happens to be your first tour, like you will, you will get the bug because it's like summer camp on wheels. And, um, it's just, what do you mean by that? Uh, meaning like you're, so, you know, if you go to summer camp, you're like with a, a small set group of people for an extended period of time. And you're like around each other 24 seven and amazing friendships come out of that. And there's just like so much fun and silliness. And so tour is that, but you're just traveling also. So summer camp on wheels. Infectious. And you get to make money. Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea make sure you're making money. <laughs> hey, and you're, and you're doing it. This has been an amazing episode. I can't wait for everyone. I can't, I just, thank you. Just fucking thank you. Like, thank I, you so I, much. I've thoroughly enjoyed this chat with you. It means a lot today that you, um, you know, took time out to do this with me. So of course, well, thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you for being on women in music. So Anna, where can people find you? I am Annalie media pretty much everywhere that matters. So Instagram, I <laughs> just recently a few months ago got my tiktok going we're, we're seeing we're trying it out we're trying, seeing, we're seeing if i'm still young enough to make it happen um yeah website annaleemedia.com all of those things so love to chat with people and also like when i'm on tour if anyone crosses paths with me out in the world like I love getting to chat with people. A lot of times I'll get people following up with me later, like, oh, I saw you here, but I didn't want to bother you or like didn't want to approach, but please, please do, please approach. Bother, bother Anna. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just slightly though. If you liked today's episode, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It means so much to me and to the Gold Hand Girls team. Also, if you liked this episode, make sure to check out season one with Asia Murata, who's now one of Dua Lipa's videographers, and season two with Phoebe Fox, who just put out her first and gorgeous tour documentary while on a European tour with Madison Beer. I'm so grateful for Women of Music. Anna, thank you so much for your words and experience. Thank you to our listeners for listening, and um, I'll see you next week. And don't forget to listen to more Women and Music.